You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. In-depth conversations, matchup breakdowns, analysts on every game, everything a Steelers fan could want. This is Fourth Down in the Steel City with your hosts, Adam Crawley and Colin Dudlap. Fourth Down in the Steel City, we got football to talk about, real football, NFL football. I'm Adam Crowley, he's Colin Dunlap. Colin, it sounds like maybe... Possibly, potentially, the season's not over. Maybe T.J. Watt doesn't need surgery. Have you heard this? I have. Uh, perhaps it's just a uh, strained pectoral or something like that, and he's not going to be out the full season. Yeah, but it's also a case of needing a second and third opinion, too. So, I don't know. The jury's still out where we are here. Nonetheless, we know this. At least, we think we know this. He's definitely hurt, and he'll definitely miss at least the game, right? Yeah, no doubt about that. And moments before we started the podcast, Najee Harris, according to Adam Schefter, is going to probably play this weekend against New England Patriots. I don't know that I would play him anyway. I'm not a doctor, but Colin, my man Najee did not look healthy even before he got hurt in this game. I didn't think he had his customary burst in the last game that he played, preseason game number three. I might let him sit for a week because you need Najee Harris at 100% or at least as close to 100% as possible. I couldn't disagree more. I play I play guys when they're healthy. You only get 17 cracks at it. In particular, a conference game, it could come down to a tiebreaker situation. Um, I If you're healthy, you go. If you're not, there's no, nobody gets held out if they can play. I mean, it's one thing to be late in the season or maybe get ramped up or ready for the playoffs. But with a team like this and a situation like this, week two of the regular season, you play if you can go. Uh, that's that's where I am with it. And you worry about injuries whenever they fully impede you. Well, and to your point, you do need all hands on deck potentially without T.J. Watt. And let's face it, T.J. Watt's not going to play in this game. I, I do want to throw a little hypothetical out there. We'll break down the Cincinnati game. Of course we will, as the Steelers are 1-0. and But, Colin, let's say that T.J. Watt were to be out for the season. I had them at 9-8 and going in. Did you have them at 9-8 and as well? Yeah, 9-8, and 8-8-1, something like that, right? I would be surprised if they hit that number <laughs> if T.J. Watt is out for the season. 
And I wonder how that might play into Kenny Pickett becoming the Steelers starting quarterback at some point. Uh, might the Steelers fall off a little bit sooner if he were to be out for the year? Maybe not on the periphery of the playoffs quite the way they were going to be. Might that push Kenny Pickett into the lineup a little bit sooner? I don't think so. I think the only thing that'll push Kenny Pickett into the lineup sooner is egregiously poor play from Mitch Trubisky. Uh, I, I don't really think it hinges on anything else. I don't think you can look at a, you know, Mitch Trubisky would lend bad play from Mitch Trubisky would lend itself to a, poor, a very poor record from the Steelers. Yeah. So if they are, you know, three and seven after 10 games, then yeah, then Mitch, then you, you make a change or something there. But I just, I don't know if I tie the two together. I really don't. I think, Mitch Trubisky is the quarterback of this football team. The plan is having him to be the quarterback of this football team until he proves otherwise not. And I think he's being graded independent of the other 21 positions in the kickers. And he would have to be, he would have to falter because you're not going to get beat out in practice. So that's just, I, I don't know, even if the Steelers don't win and Mitch Trubisky's playing well somehow, and I, I can't foresee a situation where that would happen, but in the off chance that would happen, I don't think he'd lose his job by virtue of just the Steelers' record. If I say I rewatched the game today, do you believe me? It, it, yeah, but go, kind of, but go with it. Yeah, I rewatched the game today, and I thought Mitch Trubisky, I thought he played pretty well. He went, he, he played better to me upon my second watch, Colin. The offensive line did not give him much time. I know that there was only one sack, but he had to get rid of the ball quickly. And then on another couple of occasions, he had to extend a play and then nothing wound up being open downfield. He did miss a couple of reads uh, upon replay seeing that. I think I would give Mitch Trubisky a B and I think I would give him probably a C if I didn't watch what the other quarterback did. Uh, Joe Burrow, for the plays that he did make at times in the game, brother, you turn the ball over five times, you're a loser. Mitch Trubisky didn't turn it over once. He avoided disaster on a safety. He made the significant play in overtime to Pat Fryermuth, where Ben Roethlisberger would have been sacked, no question about it, last year. I'll give the man a solid B. Yeah, I don't know about a letter grade for me. What I do know is this. The one of the plays of the game, because it could potentially it's not just two points, it potentially turns into nine points or ten points at some point, is staving the safety yep. and being able to find Fryermuth as an eligible that close and get it out in the vicinity of him uh, and not ground the football. I thought it was a gigantic play, especially at that point in the game when Cincinnati looked to be seizing a little bit of momentum. I thought it was gigantic. I also thought it was emblematic of what he has to deal with that his offensive line is awful in front of him and he keeps have to making, it keeps having to make plays. So, you know, where the city, the city is, is foaming at the mouth for this. They want a lot of people, not the city, but a lot of people want Mitch Trubisky to play bad. As terrible as that sounds, it just feels like the fact right now. It feels like that's what people want so that they could get Kenny Pickett into the football game. If Kenny Pickett went to UTEP or Washington State, there wouldn't be the same atmosphere around wanting Mitch Trubisky to fail. There just wouldn't. You're right about that. And I don't think that this was 
low water mark or anything like that for Mitch Trubisky. First of all, they won the game, but they didn't put up a lot of points offensively. Uh, they were almost outgained two to one. And eh, maybe I'm fudging numbers just a little bit there because the offense didn't move the ball all that well. But I think they're going to get better. I do. I, I don't think the offensive line's going to ever be good. I don't think the offensive line's ever going to be mediocre, but it was the first game with the new unit. It was Mitch Trubisky's first game as a Pittsburgh Steeler. That's a good defense. And there's a lot of stuff going on in your orbit and your universe. I think they're going to be better than they were on offense than in this first game. I think I there's definitely agree with you. growth. And you know what? I thought, and I watched some of the game back today, just a little bit of it back today. One thing I missed during the course of the game, the stuff that Jalen Warren does when he's not running the football. Oh, I actually don't think it's a gigantic drop-off if Jalen Warren has to play some. I wouldn't rest Najee Harris, but I would get Jalen Warren, and he picked up and put – he picked up a couple blitzes and put big men on their backside. <laughs> he did. And he's uh, not – he, as Mike Tomlin would say, he's not – small he's short right um i don't know he he, i kind of really like his game and i would find a way to have him on the football field a little bit more you know what i i'm a believer in sitting Najee to get the best Najee, but i can meet you in the middle and i can say you know what if Najee is good to go Najee, you go jalen warren just get some more run he was impressive and on one of those big plays down the field, one of the few the Steelers had, Jalen Warren's out there blocking. And I love that this dude knows, listen, I ain't supposed to be here right now. And I am here, and I'm going to work my tail off. If he plays significant snaps against New England, I wouldn't bet against that guy having a performance that we all remember. And not unlike Jalen Samuels against the New England Patriots a couple of years ago. I dig that guy. How about Chase Claypool, though? He might be the second best runner on the team. He was the first best runner on Sunday. Yeah, this is an interesting topic, and I'm glad you brought it up. Because I wonder if less is more with Chase Claypool. I can't, and and this is just my opinion here. I don't want the Steelers to get into a situation where they start to see Chase Claypool as some sort of quasi-pseudo running back. Because... He's not built to. He's not meant to. He's not Debo he's Samuel. Not, yeah, he's not. He's not designed to take the pounding inside the tackles or even inside the hashes that a running back does. It's great. It's quirky. It's good here and there. It's a great curveball. But that's one danger I think Matt Canada has to be careful in going to the well too many times. That that's not the kind of guy you want to get folded up a bunch because what he's also proven was even with limited camp situation stuff, how good he was catching the football. And he seems to be very good this year, uh, at least just through one game. I just, I'd be careful with volume of carries with him. Yeah, I do think you're right. You can't keep showing the same thing, doing the same thing, expecting him to carry that load. Six carries for a wide receiver who's not Debo Samuel. I mean, that's quite the load on the guy. Right. And I think you also become predictable. I didn't like what Matt Canada did on the goal line. He brings the formation in tight and then tries to run the jet sweep to Chase Claypool. I thought he telegraphed it. I'd like to see them build more off of that in some play action, some window dressing type stuff, and see if that can help create space for other guys and aid the offensive line. 
but I didn't, I don't love doing it every week, six carries a week. I just think that's unsustainable. How about Deontay Johnson, man? You know what? Wait, let, let's, let's save Deontay actually, because <laughs> there were a couple of personnel things and we'll get into Matt Canada right. in longer form as well, but there were a couple of personnel things I didn't like. So let's stick, stick with this because it involves potentially chase Claypool, but the deep shot down the left side on a third down to miles Boykin. I get why well, Miles. you can argue should even be on the roster or not. That's right. I understand. Oh, you like special teams. Okay, fine. You like him on special teams. Is he faster than George Pickens? Maybe. Is he more likely to go up and make a contested catch than George Pickens? No. I don't know why Pickens isn't the guy there. And then there was a third and long that wound up being a throw, and they had Derek Watt, the fullback, in. I guess you want a little extra protection for Mitch, but I find it odd to use him in that situation, but not in some short yardage situation. There was one they converted when he was on the field, which I find I found interesting that Derek Watt played that many snaps. I think he played seven or eight snaps in the football game, uh, which was a boon for him. That was like a, a month's work <laughs> yeah. in years gone by. But yeah, I do find some of the personnel package to be interesting. I also do think that in some regards, you don't have that fourth preseason game or that extra kind of week. So maybe sometimes it's hard and you just roll right into week one when you have 17 games. I don't know, but I, I find that they have some double ups. Like Derek Watt does the same thing that small Hayward does. Mm -hmm. And I, that's a carbon copy of each other. So how are both of those guys going to be on the field at the same time? Um, yeah. And you've got miles Boykin. He does different things than Gunnar Olszewski, but they're both special teams. Aces. Right. Sims is a similar guy to Gunnar Olszewski. You're right. I, I don't know about all that. And then you've got Benny Snell, who's a special teams guy solely on the roster for that. I mean, we'll see what happens if Najee Harris is out this week, but I would imagine Benny Snell not going to get much run there. Um, I'm with you. Uh, as for the play design, mm -hmm. I thought in the early going, a lot of Matt Canada-ness. And then as the game wore on, I think he realized, let's not screw this puppy up. So a lot less Matt Canada-ness. However, I do think on the whole, the offense schematically did look different than it did last year. Well, I think it did too. I think some of the stuff just didn't hit. I also think that Matt Canada, I think he got tight as the second half went on. I don't. Yeah. I wouldn't mind him staying a little bit more wide open. That said though, if your guards can't block people, you're in a world of trouble and your center can't block somebody. You're in a world of trouble if it's coming right at you from up the middle. I honestly think what we will see this coming week is more Mitch Trubisky catching the ball in the shotgun and moving as he catches it and just design rollout stuff on the run, throw on the run and do that. Uh, it not necessarily run pass option stuff, just design boot out throws and get him on the run because at some point you have to stop fighting the irresistible force, which is fixing the offensive line. And yeah. you just have to figure out a 100% uh, total um, a permanent workaround. And that seems to be it. I do think we're going to see, if we don't see anything else, I think the Steelers' offense is better moving forward because we saw a couple of third-down conversions from Mitch Trubisky called back due to penalties. I think that's such a huge weapon on third down for him is being able to get to the sticks third and short, even third and eight, third and nine, being able to get out there and get the football past that uh, first down marker. How about Kendrick Green? Doesn't get a helmet. You get your center who you paid money to. He gets hurt. 
Obviously, Kendrick Green can't be the guy. My dude is a third-round pick last year, and right. he's not even the backup center now. Well, it gets back to what I said whenever he was drafted. You know, he came into camp, and there were these battles. Was Kendrick Green truly ever better than J.C. Hassenauer? That he oh, may never have been. Man. And I think that they, they, they romanticized about Kendrick Green. They fell in love with the guy, and they plugged him in. And did they ever really truly find out if he was better than J.C. Hassenauer? Because all this time, he may never have been. Man, I think you're right about that. I didn't see it at the time. I wasn't over the moon about the draft pick when they made it, but you figure they know something. Hassenauer played on a team that won a lot of football games in college. No doubt about that. played a ton of big football games. Uh, look, I don't want to make. I thought him he was pretty be, good at the end of last year too. I don't want to make him out to be Mike Webster or make him out to be somebody on the interior of the line that's great. Mm-hmm. But it was like they leaned on that guy a little bit in spot duty, and then just forgot about him when they fell in love with Kendrick Green. And I don't know what he did to deserve a depth chart demotion, other than not get drafted where Kendrick Green did. While we're on the subject, and we'll go a little bit longer in the first segment. And, and uh, Illinois never could play a football game with Alabama. No, 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 Maybe. no, 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 anyway. no, no, no. Not even with Lovey Smith as coach back right. when Lovey oh, Smith beard. was coach. How about his beard? When the beard said. was unbelievable. I mean, yeah. it just went full white. Yeah. We'll go uh, a little bit longer in the first segment, and we may or may not carve that out of another segment. I mean, we're working on, we're work, we got on union contract here. Yeah, right. The offensive line gave up the one sack. I thought that was largely a function of Trubisky's mobility and also play calling, play design. They got no push in the running game. None. Zilch. It was horrendous. And that part looked an awful lot like last year, except Najee Harris clearly wasn't 100%, didn't have his burst, I didn't think, in this game, even before he had that other injury. I, I don't know what they can do to run the ball, man. Uh, I really don't. They tried to get Chase Claypool involved, and that was fine. I don't think that's a fix. I think that's a, a short-term Band-Aid. Gentry and water the fixes. Pe- people are going to yell and scream, but you're going to have to put an eligible inside, and that's what's going to happen. And you're going to hamstring yourself in terms of the passing game, but if you truly want to run the football some, that's where we are. That's did where it's you going see, to be. Uh, did you see your guy, Gentry, just blow up Hendrickson off the line. He's a good uh, football a, player. He it, That was supposed to be a chip. Right. That was the full can at Pringles, man. He messed that dude up. I, I think he's a really good football player that has more than a serviceable part on this team uh, because he can do the dirty work. He shows good hands. He had a little bit of yak yesterday. I, I think he can really help this football team, Gentry. And he's enormous. And he's the kind of guy you need in tight, small spaces to go ahead and play that glorified tackle. I think he can really help. You know what they're calling him, Colin? What's this? Yak Gentry. No. Seriously? That's what they're calling him. That's That's what what the kids are saying. Yak Gentry. Yak Gentry. Up next, defense, defense, defense. 99.9% good. I have a question for you. I have a question for you. Not allowed. All right. We'll do that next. 
it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. In-depth conversations, matchup breakdowns, analysts on every game. Everything a Steelers fan could want. This is fourth down in the Steel City with your hosts, Adam Crawley and Colin Dunlap. Colin, do you want to start with your question? I do. Mm. Deontay Johnson, Mm. catch on the sideline. Okay? I claim that it is one of the greatest in terms of athleticism and in terms of just sheer going and getting. One of the greatest catches in Steeler history. I'm not asking you to rank the greatest catches in Steeler history because there's been so many. There's some even in 42 to 10 games in the fourth quarter that you go, oh, that you forget about it, whatever. What Steeler receivers could have made a catch like that? Because I have probably, I have three definites and that's it. And then a couple maybes. Who are who are my three definites? I think we'll probably agree on one definite right off the gate. Yeah, Antonio Brown. Yes. Antonio Brown may have been my only definite, honestly. And I know Martavis Bryant. He made another. He made that catch in Cincinnati with his butt cheeks. That's. I don't have three definites. I have. I have three. I have one definite. Two other vortex guys. Maybe. Martavis Bryant is there. Yeah. That's a great call. And I'm talking Steeler history. It's got to be Swan, right? It, bang! Let's go. You, you got all three. The, yes. acro, the acrobatics, man. I mean, it was, and again, watching it today, and I probably watched the, the gif of that like 15 times. I don't, I was so caught up in the emotion and the insanity of that game. I didn't stop like Ferris Bueller and look around to appreciate what I had just seen because that you're right, man. That is a, just pure athleticism. If you take stakes out of all, all the catches in Steelers history, and it's just about pure athleticism, it's on the list. It's absolutely there are list. there are a lot of really good receivers in NFL history, in NFL, and I'm talking great NFL receivers in NFL history that can't make that catch on a football field by themselves, let alone being defended. He caught that ball going backwards with one hand. And got both feet down, and the referee was like, "Nah, there's no way." And a defender was menacing him. A defender's right on his bum, and when he stood up, he's like, "Yeah, I got it." Let me I throw some it. some other guys. Could Lima Swede make that catch? But then drop a screen pass <laughs> like two snaps later. <laughs> I think Lima Swede was a, was a fleet, as they say. Uh, I think he was. 
better blocker than uh pass Flex catcher. make that catch no he he would have made it with he could he would have made it with two hands he might have made the catch he would have done it different does ernie mills make that catch no does lewis lips make that catch no he'd have been drunk i'm not washington playing pinball um does that's does santonio holmes make that catch? that was the guy that i flirted with that was the guy. I, I don't think I ever saw him do that. I mean, we all know what he did in the Super Bowl. He was just such a beast in the open field. I don't know if he was sticky enough. I have a dark horse that I think that's still employed in the NFL. James Washington. I'm serious. He might be a dark horse to make a catch like that. Only he, if Mason Rudolph threw it. Yeah, He made some combat catches and some in-traffic catches. That were absolutely ridiculous. He was underutilized, man. I don't get what happened there. I really don't. Because he was a hardworking guy, too. Still is. Does Marcus Wheaton make that catch? No, but I love that guy. He only makes it in Seattle that one game where he went off for 200 yards. James Washington is a dark horse to make an athletic play like that. I mean that. I'm not kidding. I like that guy. I do. And I like, I got along with Marcus Wheaton, too. And we brought this guy up in the last segment, Kendrick Green. Hell of a nice does not kid. make that catch. No, uh, he does not make no. that catch. Not at all. I want to get into someone on the Bengals that had a big role in the Steelers' victory. But before we get to that, when's the when's the last time the defense played that well? I guess Buffalo probably last year to open. Yeah, probably season. Buffalo last year. I would say, and but then- that was a thorough a domination. A dom- so I'll put it this way. In 2022, in the way that the game is played, that was as thoroughly dominant of a defensive performance, I think, that you can put out there against a team of Cincinnati's caliber. I would agree to that because they weren't just stops. They were turnovers. That's entirely different territory. And they weren't fumbles that people were putting on the ground. They were everything was forced. You were making them make mistakes. Somebody wasn't running free in the open field and dropped the football or got it punched out from behind or whatever, which is still a great play. But these were things that you forced a great, an AFC champion quarterback into for the most part. I find that incredible. Someone had the breakdown. I forget who it was on Twitter today. Minka Fitzpatrick's big <laughs> six. Right. And it reminded me a lot of Troy Polamalu's interception against the Atlanta Falcons. That one game they won in overtime where at no point did you think this guy's covered on the sideline, and then all of a sudden, bang. Now, this wasn't quite at the boundary in the same way, but Minka saw it, read it, gave it just enough of a, "Mm, yeah, go ahead and you toss that, went over there. His performance, I asked the question on the morning show today, who had a better performance, Alex Highsmith or Minka Fitzpatrick? It's an easy answer. It is Minka Fitzpatrick. I said Highsmith because I grade on a curve, and I didn't expect him ever to have three sacks in a game. But Minka... The one concern I have with the defensive performance from Minka's standpoint, Colin, is he had to make 175 million tackles last year. Right. He had all he had the block field goal. He had the interception. He had to make 14 tackles again. And I know part of that is him just getting his nose dirty in the play. Part of that is the linebackers still, while they weren't horrific, they need to be better. Am I allowed to not worry about the best player in the field being the best player in the field? And maybe, at least for now, until it becomes a trend this year, chalk it up to a playmaker making plays. Am I allowed to do that? Because I'm going to do that until it becomes a big trend. 
Like, I, I can't find myself, even though he's in the back end of the defense, but they do deploy him in a bunch of different places. And maybe Brian Flores, you know, he's been known to put Minka Fitzpatrick's hand in the dirt. So perhaps I'm just going to chalk it up for now until it becomes a problem to the most athletic guy making athletic plays. Yeah. I, I don't, we could disagree, but that's just where I am with it. That's fine. Uh, it's game one. I'll look at last year and it still gives me concern, but it is a different team. Uh, you're not going to probably have to make as many tackles in theory with Larry Ogunjobi, Tyson Aluallo up front with Miles Jack in the middle of the field. So, yeah, I mean, jury's still out. I saw that 14, num- 14 number and it probably should pop positively. It popped. I was like, oh, geez, here we go again. Make Fitzpatrick needing to make every play. Devin Bush, not the dime linebacker. Miles Jack, not they the dime linebacker. They did throw it 55 times, though. They, you are right about that. They threw the ball a ton. How about Robert Spillane being the dime bagger when the thing that he's worst at is covering? Now, part of it's because of his smarts. Actually, probably all of it is because of his smarts, so kudos to him for that. But I find that odd. At the same time, Devin Bush only had to play 51% of the snaps, and Devin Bush, Colin, was there a moment at any point where you went, there he is, there's that no. guy that sucks? No, he he quitted himself well. He was not on the field for a ton of snaps, but I think that they worked him in in, in the right form. And, you know, if you're going to be fair to this guy, the whole city, everybody, every media member and all the fans have taken this guy apart, and rightly so, because he's not lived up to his draft stock. If he was a fifth rounder, okay, he's maybe played to that level. But he's not lived up to his draft stock. There are no complaints about yesterday. And if you're going to be fair, you have to applaud him because yeah. he, he was where he was supposed to be. He played well and he was more than serviceable. So if he continues to grow off that, then maybe he will have that bounce back here. The only negative that I can find on the defense was Akella Weatherspoon backing into the end zone on the out route to tie the game for Can't Jamar Chase. I mean, that is football 101. The same way you can't let the inside guy get to the to block the PAT, you can't you can't back up into the end zone when you're guarding Jamar Chase. He's either going to run a slant or he's going to go to the corner. You got to play the man. You can't you can't read the quarterback and drop back like that. I thought that was bad, but I think Akella Witherspoon largely acquitted himself well apart from that. I agree to you. I agree there. You're you're simply going to lose some battles with Jamar Chase. You have to limit how many you lose, and yep. you just don't want to lose them in and around the goal line. I thought they did a decent job on Jamar Chase, as good as they can do. I thought what they did was force him to make great catches, and he did. And luckily, a couple of them came down out of bounds. So, you know, there was that. But I thought that they did a great job on him in so much as he he could have won the football game a couple times. And in theory, he did win the football game, and the kicker didn't come through. Football's weird, man. Deontay Johnson, he makes the play on the sideline with his foot. The uh, Super Bowl runner-up quarterback, Mr. Franchise, throws four interceptions. Mitch Trubisky, who's on his third franchise, throws none. Football's weird. Steelers get the win. How much blame does Zach Taylor take for this one? Because I thought there were some questionable coaching decisions, notably in overtime, punting with 13 seconds left on the play clock. Uh, Every second seemed to matter for the Steelers at the end of that game. You also had him not challenging the initial, I thought, touchdown by Shamar Chase earlier in the game. 
Uh, and a couple of other moments, I thought, from Zach Taylor as well. Not a well-coached game, I don't think, by him. No, I don't think he's – I don't want to say I don't think he's ready for prime time because they just went to the Super Bowl. But I don't know how still how great of an in-game coach he is, uh, especially when having to play from behind. I'm with you. I'm right. with you. Mike Tomlin won a whole lot of games too, and I don't know how great of an in-game coach he was when needing to make decisions, especially on the fly when playing from behind. I thought Mike Tomlin had a couple of questionable decisions as well in this game. It's going to happen. Would you have challenged initially on the very first drive? Was there enough to be gained there on the first drive of the season to challenge that first down? I I said yes. It's hard to – it's always hard to overturn those spots on the sideline. You're just not going to get a great angle, and now you're talking about the plane of the sideline going up to infinity. But – they had not scored at all on the first drive last season. And they actually showed a little bit of promise there because I do think that probably was a first down. I think they just misruled it. So I said, yeah, I thought you could gain that you go down there and take some momentum, or at least if you get a first down or two, you can give Mitch Trubisky some confidence. So, yeah, I would have done it. What about you? Um, I would have had to been damn sure that it was a yeah. first down, like a thousand percent sure, like one of those, hey, they definitely missed it. It's not even up for debate. It's just an, a totality of a blown call. And if he felt that way, then okay. But I just I saw it as always a 50-50 proposition through all the replays. Yeah, I did think it was 50-52. Thought it was worth it. In the second half, I mean, depending on the game situation, I'm not sure. Um, depending on the timeout situation, I'm not sure. I didn't think giving away one timeout would be all that costly in the first half. Uh, we do need to get to the operations of the Bengals kicking unit and we'll do so next because god football's tremendous fourth down in the steel city When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. In-depth conversations, matchup breakdown, analysts on every game, everything a Steelers fan could want. This is Fourth Down in the Steel City with your hosts, Adam Crawley and Colin Dudlap. How about Cal Adamitis, man? Gonna be the long snapper for the Bengals. After their dude gets hurt. Certainly official long snapper, the fan morning show. And in all sincerity, like, that's a, a rare W for the Bengals because he's a great kid, a wonderful guy, does a lot for charity, has done a lot for our hometown here in Pittsburgh. I hope they have great snaps and everything else sucks. Um, <laughs> Just so. kick a bunch of field goals. Oh, you know what? Hometown question for you. This, is, this lays right into something. Okay, I think this is a great topic that I forgot about. And you may hear this again on the Fan Morning Show at some point. I'm writing it down right now. Maybe even on Tuesday. I think this is a great, great topic. So, Cal Adamitis, no-brainer. Great kid. Wonderful kid. 
one of the best people you ever meet. It feels as if that Pat Fryermuth has a problem with some of the things that Tyler Boyd said in the past. Mm-hmm. Okay. So just because you're from here, and then you can relate this to any town in the country for someone that's from a market that goes and plays in another market, and then they come back to play away games there. You know what I mean? Yep. Just because you're from a town, i.e. Tyler Boyd being from Claret and playing games against the Steelers. Do you have to root for the hometown kid? Because I think I might be at the point where I don't know if it's such a feel-good, fuzzy, warm story anymore when the hometown kid, Tyler Boyd, called the Steelers quitters. Like, so why do we need to celebrate Tyler Boyd anymore? No. Nah. He's he's the enemy. Like Pac-Man Jones, I'm I'm as big a West Virginia fan as you're going to find. Pac-Man Jones, I loved whenever he was on the Fan Morning Show last (laughs) week, and I can tolerate him now. But when he was a Cincinnati Bengal, guy was a jag. Um, Chris Henry, RIP, did not like that guy either. What when the rivalry came back? I can't do it. And to me, it's going to depend on the guy, and it's going to depend on the team. Like Cal Adamitis, really nice guy. I don't dislike this version of the Bengals the way that I dislike the other Bengals, but I don't like Tyler Boyd saying that the team quit. I think you're kind of right, but I, I don't like that. So I think it depends on guy. And I think it depends on team like RJ Umberger going to play for the Philadelphia Flyers. Hey, get bent, man. The Flyers that's enemy number one. So I think it just depends. Yeah. Cause I, I find it to be an interesting dynamic because then in the off season, he comes home He's around. Are you supposed to embrace him? Yeah, right. Are you supposed to be like, hey, that's the guy. It would be like Aaron Donald. If if the Steelers were to play the Rams in the Super Bowl, right? Are you supposed to – well, how are you supposed to root there? Are you supposed to root for Aaron Donald to do well but the Rams lose? Like, how, how are you hmm. supposed to play that? I've never understood that dynamic. Yeah, I think it is a really good question. And I think in this town – the Steelers are king. I know that the Steelers are king in this town. If Aaron Donald was a Baltimore Raven, he'd be hated. I really believe that. And I think I think the Steelers fans drown out the Pitt fans and drown out the hometown hooray high school stuff too. Yeah, you know, there's not been a lot of cases of this. People from here that have been a thorn in the side yeah. of the hometown team. Tyler Boyd's not that because he's, he's a part. He's not the big dog right you know but i think of like if mccutcheon and he's not from here but he played here for so long if he would have gone somewhere and and been great uh and they in the nl central that would have been something you know right after he left here um but there's not a lot of cases of that and i don't want to say tyler boyd's like as close as they came but he you see him on what is potentially a rival right now because the Bengals are good yeah How, how do you play that whole situation you know what i think there's a ton of nuance here it's a really good conversation colin and you know what i said was if aaron donald's a raven he'd probably be hated here in pittsburgh but the thing is like mark andre Fleury left here and then was beloved i mean he almost became an adopted son of pittsburgh you brought up andrew mccutcheon andrew mccutcheon the same way like i find myself no matter where he goes but they didn't play them all the time right and it right. wasn't for the stake. This is a guy that's from here that you're going to play for the stakes. Hopefully, yep. you know, yep. there's not a lot of instances like that. I don't, Umberger's a great case. That's a, that's a good name because 
you were playing the Flyers and he was a guy and it, it, the teams were rolling. You yeah. Know? So I, I don't know how to take it. I, I don't know. To, and Adam Itis, I hope he doesn't grow into that, but he's a long snapper. So it's okay. Am I wrong? Like I never looked at Tyler Boyd as the chirp, 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 chirp guy. Maybe I'm dead wrong on that, but I wonder if it being the Steelers made him do it. It empowered him more. I, I, I yeah. totally feel like it, it may have because of the familiarity. It is for me. I think it's such a, a, like you said, a nuanced and layered topic that it's a, a very atypical situation. You don't see all the time. I don't know. I don't like him. He can get bent. Yeah. And, and what I loved about that game was Mike Tomlin's dancing on TikTok afterward. Like right. he's going bonkers. The locker room is going bonkers, despite maybe TJ Watts booby falling off. And then on the other side, You've got Joe Burrow, who, according to multiple reports, sat in his locker stall with his jersey on, with his shoulder pads on, in half uniform as the media came in and exited. That's what this is all about, man. I would I would respect that if I were a Bengals fan. I think that's what you want in a dude, in a leader. But I love it from a Steelers perspective that your guys are full-on jubilation and their guy is beside himself with anger and sadness. What if this is what spirals Joe Burrow's career? This game right here. Oh, and he man. never reverts back. If this is his Steve Blast game. If if it is, if it is, what what's the what's the pick that did it, man? Is it I can't believe I threw onto a Kello flipping Witherspoon? No, it's not the pick. It's a, it's it was what was ruled a fumble. It was the Hayward play. Um, or the Watt snatch. You know what Watt snatch looked like? Whoa. You know what watch what Watts uh, play looked like? I should say it looked like whenever, like back in the '80s, when the NBA was really going, and somebody went up with two hands and pinned somebody against the backboard yeah. and just pulled it down, and then started the fast break the other way. You know what? Those back-to-back plays, because the play right before that is when Watt almost took the hand off, right? And he blew mixing up. And the only way that would have been cooler, I know people say, "What if he took the hand off?" The only way that would have been cooler is if you would have taken down Mixon and Joe Burrow at the same time, which he was pretty close to doing. I, it's only one game, but and it's going to take a little bit more. But Joe Mixon got knocked back a little on my totem pole yesterday hmm. when I I thought Joe Mixon was a bit tougher before yesterday. I thought he wanted inside yards a little bit more. He left stuff on the field, I thought. I, I agree, Adam. I absolutely agree with you. And I thought Joe Mixon may have been, you know, there's Chubb, I get that, and Najee Harris. But I thought he was the second best back in the division going into yesterday. Like, and pretty solidified there. But now, I, I don't know how much Joe Mixon wanted it in crunch time. And he was jawing all day long with Minka Fitzpatrick. And Minka sure showed up. Joe Mixon, not so much. Steelers run defense. We didn't touch on it. We talked linebackers a little bit. 3.9 yards per carry a lot. I know they gave up over 100. They gave up 130. Whoop-de-doo, Basil. That was a hell of a defensive performance. But, yes, there were some runs left on the field for Joe Mixon. And the broadcasters were talking. They must have had a meeting with him whenever they talked to the coaches and all that. And they said he wanted to do a better job running through arm tackles. I didn't see it. I did not see it from him. 
I also didn't see the Bengals block it up appropriately on the extra point. And I know that it fluttered on the snap and that does matter. It's half a, it's maybe half a second extra that makes a huge difference there. Colin, you talked about it this morning. I mean, just a fundamental failure on the part of the Cincinnati Bengals. No, you learn it when you're six years old. If you're ever in doubt and don't leave yourself in doubt, but if you ever do get in doubt, you always leverage and block the inside guy in any situation because it's just a a matter of geography, the outside guy has a further route to get to the football in all situations, whether you're downfield and you're looking for a block to block somebody, whether you're at the scrimmage line and you're blocking somebody, you always leverage inside and block the inside guy. And for that to happen, for him to block the outside guy and let the inside guy come free. I mean, that's instant termination kind of stuff. Yeah. Uh, really? He, I watched the snap a bunch of times and sure it was slow. The kick still gets there if they blocks the right guy. Yeah. And I don't, I know it was a high snap on the overtime 29 yarder missed. I probably, instead of kicking that, you're probably just falling and it's third down, but I still think your kicker's got to do a better job there. McPherson banged one that would have been good from like 75 yards earlier in the game, and he's missing a 29-yarder because the laces aren't out. Give me a break. Did you see what the 29-yarder at the very, at, at the end that he missed and went about a 43-degree angle to the left toward the pylon? It almost looked like back in the day when they had the shop and save promotion where they'd bring a guy out of the stands to try to kick. Oh and man! At like halftime or the end of the first quarter, whatever it was, and they'd be like, "Let's bring out Tom Johnson from Dravosburg. He represents store number thirteen oh seven in Forward Township." <laughs> and then my man would come out in some jeans and some bad pony high tops, and he's all bundled up because he's at the Steeler game, and he would kick it, and the ball looked like a dreidel. It would spin, like, and it would just nestle in the corner of the end zone somewhere. And they're like, okay, we don't – oh, here's a $50 gift card to shop and save for your efforts. When if he would have made it, he was going to win like $10,000 right. cash. And the guy never made it. Nobody ever made it. So that's what it looked – it was so bad. It was. And I just – I could watch it a million times. The Bengals fans in the background and their reaction. The – Total antithesis of what happened behind the goalpost when Chris Boswell, boom, which if there's ever a bong, I'm texting you. I'll rephrase that. If there's ever a ball that hits the upright, I am always going to text you because you like to predict things of that nature happening. And I'll be damned if you didn't ask on the fan morning show, "Eh, over under half a missed field goal for Chris Boswell. And you know what? That should count as half a miss because he was yes. darn close. Do you think that there were that there's an amplifier and that they play it up because the sound yeah. sounded too loud for actuality? There. It was perfect though, wasn't it? Yes. My wife knew she was upstairs. I said they're lining up for the game-winning kick, and I didn't even react, but she knew they missed it because she could hear it from upstairs. The Boom. I think they have a guy that waits in the truck and he's got his finger on that <laughs> and he, he only gets to hit it like five, six times a year. But they're like, Joey, 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 it's headed there. It's headed hit the there. gong, Joey. Yeah. And, and I think they play it up for effect. 
Yeah, that mic. There, there's no way it's that, it loud, that loud. But there's it's no way. comedically perfect, and it's even funnier now that the Steelers it, won the game. It sounded like lightning hitting a radio tower. Yes, it did. I mean, it was too loud. There's no you way. could hear the crackling of the of the microphone being overmodulated as well. Uh, last thing quickly here for you, Colin. We had the windows open down here in the basement, and my neighbors did too. I could hear people go nuts after the made field goal. Did you have that happen? It's one of the best things of the early fall. I had my kids yelling and screaming. There was that. Uh, I did hear screaming on the street. So, yes, absolutely. The one thing that you got to watch out for, though, as, you're, as you hear the screaming, this it's not new, but – you got to watch out for people also in and amongst all that screaming for their fantasy football guys too. You're totally right about games. that. Uh, whether it's, you know, whether they're watching the red zone or whether they're just following on their phone, like Saquon Barkley has nothing to do with this game. Yeah. You know, like, and so that's another, every once in a while you'll hear, you'll just run to the restroom. You think it's a commercial. You hear a streak, a screech from down the street. <laughs> what the hell happened? I don't care to or through a touchdown. Right. You know, you're, you're going potty and you're like, right. You probably have a t- three-year-old. Yes. Oh, they must've scored. No, no, it was just, uh, it was just Gabriel in the Buffalo game. He was going off again. Correct. Friday. Right. We got a new England Patriots, Pittsburgh Steelers preview. No Tom Brady. I'm okay with that. We'll see if the Patriots cheat. Anyhow, perhaps we'll call this episode TJ Watts snatch until next time, Colin. I'm all right with that. It's been my pleasure. Fourth down in the Steel City. We'll do it again Friday. Peace.